All right, I'm excited to continue this series on uh, understanding where the enemy, our, our enemy, the devil, is trying to lie to us and, and help keep us from honoring God with the way that we live by really distorting our, uh, the things that we want and disrupting uh, the way that we live so that God doesn't get glory from our lives. And so Andy did a great job last week uh, just talking about some lies that we often believe about God and, and the truth that we need to, cor- to uh, help us have the right view of God so that we can be in right relationship with him. So we're gonna continue uh, this theme today and we're gonna talk about the truth about human beings, about who we are. But um, we're gonna do some practicing on spotting the lie real quick. We're gonna do a little quiz. This is a Cicero Christian Church history quiz. So if you're new, uh, you get a free pass. You don't, you, don't need to, you don't have to know any of this, but if you've been around for a while, you should know uh, this. So uh, three statements are gonna be on the screen. Two of them are true. Uh, one of them is false, and you have to identify uh, the one that's false. Okay, you ready? Good, okay. A, uh, CCC is 185 years old this year. B, CCC raised nearly $160,000 in eight weeks to pay off the mortgage in 2017. Uh, C, CCC has the best worship pastor in Hamilton County, uh, maybe the world. Okay, so you know, it's, you know it's not C, C is true. So your choices are which, between A and B, which ones are false? Which ones are the false, false ones? Who knows? We have some uncertainty. All right. Uh, A is true, CCC is 185 years old this year. Isn't that amazing? 185 years, that's older than any of you. Um, And C is true, we have the best worship pastor in Hamilton County, maybe the world, right? Amen, yes. And uh, B is not true. B is a tricky one because in 2017, we raised $260,000 in eight weeks to pay off our mortgage. Um, which is one of my favorite memories of my time here. It's pretty amazing. Uh, so that was a tricky one. I just, I just fooled you on the numbers, but you were $100,000 off if you didn't know that. So just, that's a big deal. Uh, so it's important that we know the truth. So if you know the truth, if you were as invested in that fundraising project as I was, you would not have forgotten the numbers. Like I was so invested in that. I will never forget that. Um, we did, we called it the Unleashed uh, project and we had chains. I still have pieces of that chain in my desk uh, to remember that uh, event by. So when you know the truth, it's easy to spot the lie, right? And so that's what we're talking about in this series. If you, if you know um, the truth about who we are as human beings, then it'll be easy to spot the lie. So that's what we're going to talk about today, the truth about who we are, the nature of humanity. There are a lot of ways to approach the question, what is the nature of humanity? Uh, Are humans basically good or basically evil? How do we know truth? Um, There's a lot of different ways to approach this, but we're going to focus on, uh, to begin with, are are human beings basically good or basically evil? This is an important question because it shapes our expectations of ourselves. What do we expect from ourselves? What do we expect from the world around us? Uh, What's realistic when it comes to how human beings should act. If, if, we, if we believe humans are basically good, we'll have one view of that. If we think that they're evil, we'll have a different view of that. And so uh, today we're, we're just going to try to dive into that and start with uh, those questions um, that relate to, you know, what, what is the nature of humanity? Who are we really? Who are we really? So the first answer, so we're going to start with truth today and then we're going to expose some lies later on. But the truth about who we are is that we uh, are born with a sinful nature. That, that's the truth. We are sinful by nature. We're born with an appetite for sin. We, we, we're born to want to please ourselves. You know this because you've raised kids. Most of you have raised kids and you don't have to teach children to be selfish, do you? 
They just figure that out all by themselves. Children can learn to be selfish all by themselves. You don't have to teach them that. They don't, you don't have to teach them how to lie. Kid can lie before they even know what a lie is. They, they just figure that out all by themselves because we are sinful by nature. And, and, and in, in that nature of sin, we, we tend to make things about us. We, we put ourselves at the center of the universe. Does that describe a three-year-old or what, right? Like, and we don't really grow out of that. We, we continue to put ourselves at the center. Um, and so uh, the challenge for us then as people who are born with a sinful nature is to really understand what sin is so that we understand like what are we supposed to do about it? If we are born with a sinful nature, what are we supposed to do about sin? Uh, picked up some really good uh, lines from this Bible scholar named William Barclay. I'm gonna read some of what he uh, says about sin. He says, when we realize what sin is, it is the failure in any sphere of life to be what we ought to be and could be. There's a certain murderous power in sin. It kills innocence. Sin may be forgiven, but its effect remains. Sin kills ideals. People begin to do without a qualm the thing which they once regarded with horror. And sin kills the will. It takes such a hold that people cannot break free. And then he says, the flesh is anything which gives sin a chance. Anything in us which gives sin a chance. Right? So sin is just, whenever we're not living out who we're called and created to be. Whenever we're not living out the truth about humanity, which is we were created in the image of God to honor God with, with our lives. And whenever we don't live that out, that's, that's sin. And, and scripture is clear that we're, we're sort of, that's just our default nature. We're going to do that. We're gonna live in such a way that, that doesn't bring honor to God. And, and Paul gets pretty specific about what kinds of sin. So sin in general is any, anything where we're not living out who we're created to be. And Paul gets really specific. He gives us a list in Galatians 5, 17. In case you guys don't know what qualifies as sin, let me just give you some, some ideas, some suggestions. Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Remember, uh, Barclay says, flesh is anything that in us that gives sin a chance. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he, he gets real specific. He, he clarifies for us, this is, this is what sin looks like. And these behaviors are gonna come naturally to human beings. And they, they present the path of least resistance for us. It's, it's the easiest thing in the world to fall into these things. And you can see this really clearly in ancient cultures. Any society that existed before the way of Jesus, um, these kind of things were common and not even necessarily thought wrong all the time. It's, it's important that we understand how much Jesus and his way has shaped Western culture and our morality and our laws. So before Jesus, I mean, it was, uh, the, the, the value of human life was really low. It was really about whoever was strong enough to defend themselves and take what they wanted. That, those people had value. And if you didn't, you had low value and that was just too bad for you. And that's just the way things were. And so outside of this submission to Jesus, it's the strongest survive. And that's the behaviors that Paul describes here. And he ends with this really unsettling phrase, like, I warn you, people who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus made it really clear the kingdom of God is for the people of God that we're created to live a certain way. Jesus showed us the way to live. He, he modeled this new humanity. And then, and then he, invite, he invites us into it. But he says, like, in order to be in the new humanity, you, you, have, to, 
You have to live in a way that honors God. So if, if these things are part of your life, you can't, you can't be in the family of God if you don't live like you're in the family of God. And so that kind of leaves us with a question. So we're, we're kind of stuck here. What do, we, what do we do if we're born with a sinful nature and in our sin, we can't be a part of the family of God? Paul is gonna explain this a little further. Ephesians chapter two, uh, let's go there. Paul says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So this is not like, you know, you're, you're just, you're gonna have a difficult life or you're, you know, things are not gonna go well for you. And he says, you were dead. Dead is pretty final. Dead is pretty like the ultimate, um, you know, destination, right? He says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. What, who is Paul talking about? What is Paul talking about? He's talking about the influence that Satan has in the world that we live in, right? He's, he says, when you're, you're you follow the waves of the world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit now at work in those who are disobedient. He says, there is a force out there. And, and he names it at other times in scripture, Satan, the enemy of God, the adversary, who deceives human beings into believing that this way of life that doesn't honor God is, is best and easiest and will bring us um, happiness. He says, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, the flesh is anything in us that gives sin a chance, right? And following its desires and thoughts. So it's about what we want and it's about what we think. Our desires, our heart, and, and how we, what we believe is really true. And he says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. We were by nature deserving of wrath. That sounds bad. Uh, wrath in, in scripture is God's judgment against sin. God recognizes sin brings evil into the world. It brings pain and destruction into the world. And if God is good, he must do something about evil, right? And, and wrath is the thing that God does, you know, to, to deal with evil. It's God's wrath is, is always against sin, um, not against people, but if people are caught up in sin, then they become subjects of, of the wrath as well because they're a part of this evil that God has to do something about if he's good and just, he has to do something about evil and wrath is, is what God does about evil. And, and people who are living sinful lives, they are gonna get caught up in that just judgment, right? So we're stuck. We're, we're born with a sinful nature and, and as such, we're, we're by nature uh, subjects of, of God's wrath. We cannot inherit the kingdom, but we know, we know that's what we're made for. We know that's what we want and we know that's not the destiny that we desire. So there has to be more to us than this. There has to be more to us than we were born with a sinful nature. And there is, it's good news, there is. Um, we are also loved by God. That is true about human beings. Human beings are born with a sinful nature and we are loved by God, the creator of the universe, the good one, the just one, the wise one. He loves us. And Paul uh, doesn't take long to get to this. If you, we continue in our passage in Ephesians chapter two, uh, let's pick up in verse four. He says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Paul says, God wants to save you from this sinful nature. He does not want you to live under wrath. He does not want you to be outside of his kingdom. And because of his great love, he made us alive in Christ. That, that's the good news. We're born with a sinful nature, but we're so loved by God that he made a way through his son Jesus to bring us into his family. And then, 
And then, as if that wasn't enough, then he invites us in to new humanity. This is also true about us. It's true about all humans. All humans are born with a sinful nature. All humans are loved by God. And all humans are invited into the new humanity. The new humanity is what uh, Jesus is talking about when he introduces the new covenant at the Lord's Supper. The new humanity is what Jesus is talking about. Every time he talks about the kingdom of God, and he says, the kingdom of God is like, he's talking about this, this, this realm where God's rule and reign are absolute and where everyone who lives within the kingdom honors God all the time. And Jesus invites us in to this new humanity. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter five. Uh, let's go to verse 14. He says, for Christ's love compels us because we are all convinced that one died for all. That is, Jesus died for everyone and therefore all died. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Remember, that's our sinful nature. Default, path of least resistance. We're gonna live for ourselves. We're gonna do what we want. But um, that we should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. The worldly point of view is, um, there, we'll get into that, but there's a lot of different worldly points of view that we take about human beings uh, and we make judgments and we make assumptions, we have expectations. Paul says, we have a new way of seeing human beings now because we're in Christ. He said, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. This is good news because the old part of us is the part that was born into a sinful nature. And Paul is saying that part of us died. If, since Christ died for all, we all died. Paul says in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. So that sinful nature part of me died and something else was born. Paul is echoing Jesus's conversation with Nicodemus. Do you remember uh, Jesus sits down with Nicodemus and he says, hey, uh, just so you know, nobody can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And Nicodemus is like, what's that now? Born a second time? I'm not sure what that means. And Jesus goes on to talk about there's a physical birth. We're born into the world with a sinful nature and we're gonna be subjects of wrath and we're gonna be outside the kingdom. So in order to become part of the kingdom, there has to be another birth. So the old thing dies and, and there's something new is born. And this thing that's new, that's born, is in the kingdom of God, is part of the family of God. It's a rescue through a new birth. We become people who are no longer marked by our sinful nature and by being controlled by the desires of the flesh. We are now people who are forgiven. We are transformed. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. And we're moving in the direction of Jesus-centered living. That's the description of who we are in Christ. And we have a great story and example of this. We had a baptism uh, here just a couple months ago, a young man named Austin. And I want Austin to tell you his story about new life in Christ. Watch this. Uh, my name is Austin Hill. I've been at CCC for about two and a half months now. Uh, yeah, I wasn't, uh, I was not raised Christian. I was definitely raised in a secular household. And then um, around the time when I got into my early teen years, I started just going down a really bad path. And the Lord definitely just, uh, he reached out his hand and he definitely pulled me out and he saved me. Um, I probably, I don't know where I would be if, I, if it wasn't for, for, for God. Um, maybe definitely not here, not in this room. Um, but uh, I am uh, eternally grateful for His grace and His mercy, and uh, He just He's He's so good. Jesus brought uh, really significant transformations in my life. And I'm a completely different man from what I was four years ago. I definitely have a, a huge love of life. I realize that life is such a great gift, and there's so many people who just it's either it's cut too short or they never even got a chance. And um, that's just uh, that's a huge thing Jesus has done for me is um, made me realize that 
um, we're all worthy of, of, uh, of love, of Jesus' love specifically. And um, we all have a purpose, we all have meaning. And uh, the Lord has done that for me. He's, uh, he's shown me what I need to do. He's shown me how to be a, a proper man. And he's shown me how to be a, a good Christian and a good follower. And um, if it, uh, you know, if it wasn't for, for Jesus Christ's love, um, you know, like I said, I would have no idea where I'm supposed to be. I'm gonna be, I'd be aimlessly wandering the world, um, looking for a purpose and meaning. And um, thanks to Christ, I, I found it in Him. Um, so prior to my baptism, I had uh, been studying uh, the Lord, and uh, I would uh, call myself a Christian for for about two and a half, three years. And um, I I known baptism was something that all Christians did, and I had wanted to do it, but I didn't understand the reason why. I didn't, and then um, I went to Bible study, and um, I was, it was explained to me that baptism is more than just something all Christians did. It was, it's uh, it's the, the death to the self and the resurrection in Christ. And then upon hearing that, I realized that was something I really needed to get done. And then um, I went to Sunday service, and um, when I heard Adam speak about the desire for, for needing to desire Jesus more, I realized yeah, this is something that I, I absolutely have to get done because I want the Lord to be in my life in all aspects. And uh, the best way to do that for me and the next step that I have to take is to finally get baptized. Uh, the most meaningful thing about my baptism for me is is just the realization that um, I'm now closer to the Lord than what I was a month and a half ago. Um, I'm, I'm one step closer to Jesus's glory and to God's glory. And that's just, that's, that's incredible. It feels incredible. And, um, it's just it's unlike anything else. I remember when I when I uh, when I got baptized, I just felt immense joy, and um, just talking about it always brings a smile to my face. It's really it's a special experience, and every Christian for sure needs to go through with it. Um, I'm really praying for a um, an intense hunger for the Lord and, and knowledge of Him. I want to really study up on my Bible. I want to you know read the whole thing, all all books, and um, just really uh, master my apologetics so I can have arguments ready so I can stand in defense of the Lord and I uh, can share the gospel adequately and um, with grace and with love and kindness to other people. And that's, I'm really looking forward to just being a, a, a evangelical and just a, a witness to everybody else out there. Yeah, I would really like to thank my, uh, my mom and my dad for being very supportive of uh, my journey with Christ, even though they themselves are, are not really big believers. Um, so that was really cool. Then my dad would, uh, he would drive me to to the Bible study um, every Monday night for a really long time, and he always talked to me afterward, even though he himself just wasn't that big into it. And I would like to thank my uh, my friends Dakota, Simon, and Ji. All three of those men they uh, they put some very important seeds in my mind, and um, uh, I was just always surrounded by Christian influence by those guys, and they always kept me on my feet and uh, they gave me a lot of resources and help. And I thank them so much for that. I'm eternally grateful, and I can never repay them. I would like to say to the CCC fam that um, if you're thinking about getting baptized, it's it's a very important uh, next step in your relationship with Christ. Um, it's a very beautiful thing. I remember it was very much stress-free. Um, it was just a very exciting and joyful moment. I remember being just so filled with love in my heart for everybody around me, and I really felt touched by the Holy Spirit. It's such a wonderful experience, and I encourage any Christian out there who hasn't taking the next step of the Lord to definitely get, get that done. It's, it's so beautiful and I just, I can't say enough good words about it. 
All right, Austin and his friends typically attend second service, so um, we can, you can see them sitting up here and, and soaking it in and, and worshiping with our church family. And it's so beautiful um, to see that life change. And you heard, you heard what he said, right? You heard his, the language of, of Jesus making him new and the, the process of death and resurrection involved in baptism. And that's what's available. This is what's true about humanity. We are born with a sinful nature. We are loved by God and we are invited in to a new humanity through Christ. And so uh, truth is always gonna be under attack by the enemy. So the enemy doesn't want us to bring glory to God, does not want us to uh, respond with faithfulness to God, does not want us to live the life that God created us to live and uh, is gonna lie to us and distort those views in such a way that, that cause us to uh, think differently, to think things that are not true. So if truth is what corresponds to reality, you can confirm truth by comparing it to reality, then falsehood, lies, are things that don't correspond to reality. They are unreality. And so that's what the enemy does. He brings unreality and things that don't correspond with, with, with our true experience of the world uh, into our lives and into our hearts and minds to deceive us and trick us. And he's really good at this. And so I wanted to share with you some uh, lyrics from a song. Justin uh, shared this with, with us uh, earlier a couple weeks ago. And they really kind of stuck with me because I thought this is a pretty good example of the way that the world talks about the nature of, of humanity and whether we're good or evil and those kind of things. So I want to share these lyrics from this song by Casey Musgraves. And uh, they're they may be unsettling. You'll have a response. You'll have some kind of reaction when you, when you see these. So we'll put these up on the screen. I'll, I'll read them along. Um, if you save yourself for marriage, you're a bore. If you don't save yourself for marriage, you're a horrible person. Uh, if you won't have a drink, then you're a prude, they'll, but they'll call you a drunk as soon as you down the first one. If you don't go to church, you'll go to hell. If you're the first one on the front row, you're self-righteous, uh, something. If, you're darned if you do, and you're darned if you don't. So you might as well just do whatever you want. When the straight and narrow gets a little too straight, roll up a joint or don't. Just follow your arrow wherever it points. Yeah, follow your arrow wherever it points. Follow your arrow. And what do you, what's your reaction to that? Some of you may know that song. I don't know. I didn't know it before, but what's your, what does that make you feel? What does that make you think? Do you kind of nod along and go, yeah. I mean, it's true. You're gonna get judged no matter what you do. So might as well do whatever you want. There's, a, there's an element uh, that rings true to that, Right? Like people, people are gonna form their own, you can't control what people think about you. They're gonna judge you. They're, they're, they're gonna criticize you almost no matter what. So you might as well do whatever you want. That, that's how you know it's a good lie. When there's, there's enough truth there to make you go, hmm, yeah, I think I, I, think I agree with that. Or, or is there a part of this that you kind of go, well, that, no, that's not right. The, the follow your arrow part. So let's, Let's talk about the arrow. So what, what the song is trying to suggest, and what, I think this is a popular view in human culture, is that we, we, get to, we get to pick our own direction, right? So we, we've got our own arrow that we get to hold, and we get to say, I, I can point this whichever way I want to point it, and I'll just go that way. It's, a, it's up to me. It's really entirely up to me, right? So um, if you're going to follow your arrow, then you get to pick through all the philosophies about what's true about humanity for yourself. So what, what's true about humanity? What are some things? We'll point that down for now. Um, so what, what are some lies that, that we might believe and we might adopt and say, well, that's, that sounds good to me. I think I'll follow. I think I'll go that direction. What are the lies about who we are? So who, the question is, who aren't we as human beings? Um, so uh, there's a view called, so I'm going to go through a few basic philosophies of humanity. Now, 
when we talk about the world of philosophy, these are, these are for people who are philosophers and sociologists. Most, most of us don't think consciously in these terms, but we do absorb these ideas when we see them in the world. And, and you'll recognize that as we go through. But here's what I'm saying. I'm not expecting us to be like philosophers and sociologists and all that stuff. We're just, we're just people, but we should recognize these when we see them in the world. So one is naturalism. Naturalism would say that human beings are just the result of random chemical and biological processes. Like it's, it's all just science. It's all just chemicals and what's happening in your brain and what's happening in your body. And, and there's really no like, we don't, we don't really exert any will over this. Um, morality, like good and bad, we just made that up. We just kind of made that up so we can live in society and, and, and you know, have places where we feel safe. But there's really no such thing as, as good and bad. We, people just made that up. Um, that, that's kind of the naturalist point of view. Humanism would say that, that humans are definitely basically good, that, that people are born good. They, they want to do right. They want to do good. In fact, the only thing that would make somebody turn to bad or, or do evil is outside influences. If they're, if they're acted upon uh, by their, their environment, the people in their home or their society or you, you know, wh- whatever community they find themselves in, if that community uh, distorts the good in them, it can turn them to evil. But people just left on their own will, will basically just do what's right and, 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 and be good. Should have read Lord of the Flies, probably. Uh, that's, so that's humanism. Uh, Eastern philosophy would say that there, there's an even mix. If, if you're familiar with Eastern philosophy, one of the most common uh, symbols is the yin and yang. This is the black and white circle thing um, that I can never draw. It looks so simple to draw. I can't draw it. Um, but it, it kind of symbolizes that there's, a, that there's an equal balance of, of good and evil in the world, in the universe, and in each person. Each person has good and evil in them, and, and you can be good, and you can be evil, at the, you know, like from one minute to the next, and it's just kind of all about balance. It's all about creating a balance. That's Eastern, Eastern philosophy, and you may see that sometimes. Postmodernism uh, would say that uh, human beings, we are whoever we want to be. It's, it's really all subjective and relative. You get to decide. This is, this is uh, very much in line with, with the lyrics of the song. You follow your arrow, you, you pick your way. You get to decide uh, who you want to be, um, how you want to interact with people. You get to decide what's good for you. You get to decide what's bad for you, right? And, and, and may, the main point is you shouldn't really judge other people because they can decide for themselves too, right? So you can't tell somebody else they're doing something bad because maybe for them that's good, right? And then there's kind of a new and developing philosophy. I didn't even put this on the screen because I don't really understand it very well. But it's kind of whatever's after postmodernism. Right now it's being called post-postmodernism, which is sort of a dumb name, but nobody's come up with a better one yet. And post-postmodernism would say, you know, it's not, it's not like truth is completely subjective or relative. We can define truth, but it's sort of us as a community that gets to decide. So so if you and I and, and a group of people that are like-minded, we decide that something is true, then, it's tr- then it is true. It's, it is true for this, in this moment in time. But it could change, but it's true for now. So it's all about the community deciding what's true or what's false for now. And that's, that's kind of the essence of post, postmodernism. And there's an element of that in this song. The kind of society that the song is calling for is, is one in which, which we kind of decide together. Like, right, let's put an end to all this judging other people. And let's just agree. Let's, let's make some agreements on what's good and what's right for now, right? 
So th- this, that song is kind of a good crossover between postmodernism and post-postmodernism. Uh, so those are all uh, falsehoods, and we need to be able to recognize those because they are present in the world, they're present in um, commercials and in movies and the things that we, we watch, and the, obviously the, the songs that we listen to on the radio. Uh, th- that stuff is present. We need to be able to spot those lies. And then there's, there's lies about what sin is. So if you take some of these philosophies and you, and you apply them to what sin is, um, then in some of them, it would say that the highest value for human society is the individual. The individual's right to determine what's right and wrong for themselves. If that's, if that's the highest value, then the worst thing that you can do is to prevent someone else, including yourself, from being whoever you want to be. That's the worst thing you can do is, is you, you take somebody else's arrow and you point it for them and you say, no, you should go that way. That's, 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 a sin against humanity, that's what sin is, is when you try to tell other people how to live. Um, if the highest value is keeping score against other people and just, just coming out a little better than the people around you, we're pretty good at this. We're pretty good at comparing you know, ourselves and, and looking at our lives and going, well, uh, you know, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not you know, as bad as this other person that did this other thing or said that thing. Like, I would never do that. And as long as we can feel good about ourselves by acknowledging all the bad that's in the people around us, then we're winning. We're winning on the scoreboard and and that's what sin is. Sin is how bad other people are in comparison to me, right? That's that's really what sin is. Um, And then there's a scale of good deeds. There's like this good deeds, bad deeds scale where, uh, you know, if you do something bad, then you can make up for it by doing something good. And so you just put some more good deeds on the scale and it'll, and it'll come back to balance. And, and really, you just want, by the time you die, you want to have a little more good deeds than bad deeds. And that should edge out you know, all the other people that were worse than you and get you into heaven, right? If there's a heaven, that'll get you in. Just a little more good deeds than bad deeds. That's the goal, right? Just, just to edge out the balance. And so under that philosophy, then sin is the, some of the lies that, that creep in there is that you know, some sins are worse than others and they will define you. And we... We know as a society, we know what those are. What are the, the sins that are worse than others and they will define you? One of those is telling other people how to live. I mean, that's, you know, that, that absolutely will put you on the outside of society and that's unforgivable. But some sins are excusable and they will not affect you. There are some things that you can do that technically they may be wrong, but they're just not that big a deal, right? It's just not that, no, I mean, as long as no one else is getting hurt, like who really cares? As long as no one finds out, it's just not that big a deal, that, that's, that's some of the lies that creep in under these, these philosophies. Um, another is that doing, doing good things makes up for doing bad things. I sort of said that, but like, if you have a bad week, then you, you kind of come to Saturday night and you go, man, I really, really have not been a, a Jesus-centered person this week. I should go to church tomorrow, <laughs> right? And, and that, that gets a lot of people here. Is like they just had a bad, a bad week, a bad Friday night, a bad Saturday night, uh, just kind of turned loose, uh, let their inhibitions go, and they're like, I should go to church. Because going to church somehow in our heads makes up for the bad stuff I did on Friday night or Saturday night, right? Not true, that's a lie. The other uh, part of this lie, the flip side, is that doing, not doing bad things um, makes up for not doing good things. Like, okay, I'm not like the most generous person. I'm not the most forgiving. I'm not the most compassionate. But at least I don't like most of the Ten Commandments. I haven't broken most of those lately. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't committed adultery lately. Like I, the big ones I haven't done. And so that should make up for me not like being like crazy Jesus freak kind of good person, right? Like I, I'm sort of in the middle. I'm not really bad. I'm not really good, but I'm not really bad. So 
those are some of the lies that are out there. And friends, those lies are not just outside the church. Those lies come inside the church, right? And they, they trip us up and they, they, they confuse us and they lead us in a wrong path. And what they do is, is the goal of all of these lies for Satan is to put this arrow in our hands. And he says, look, you're the boss of your own life. You get to decide. You're the one in charge. You get to decide how you're gonna live, which direction you're gonna go. Just, just like, you know, follow, follow your arrow. Like you, you take control. Now, how does that compare to the truth that we learned earlier? That we're born with a sinful nature. That sinful nature is us wanting to, to hold our own arrow and go, you know, point it wherever we want. And God looked at that and said, that's not good, right? That's gonna lead to a lot of pain and destruction and heartbreak and evil and oppression and injustice. And we know that's true. When people do this, that's what happens. And so God said, because of my love for you, I'm going to rescue you from yourselves and I'm gonna take control of the arrow and you'll go where I point it because I know what's best for you. I know what's good and right. And so God points the arrow and he invites us into this new humanity where there's a different way of life possible that Paul describes in Galatians chapter five again. So we read in Galatians five where he gives all those lists of sins. He's like, okay, so we know sin is bad. Let me get specific. Let me tell you all these, these bad things that are sinful, right? And he goes through that whole list. And then he says, but the fruit of the spirit, so he's gonna talk about, here's what's possible for people who are in the new humanity, who have been made new by Jesus. Here's what's possible. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Paul says, this is what's possible for people in the new humanity. You, you, you get to live with supernatural levels of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of these are possible for people who are in the new humanity. Because why? Because we're new. We're not under, we're not under our sinful nature anymore. We're no longer slaves to the flesh, as Paul would say in Romans. We are now living by the Spirit. And when we live by the Spirit, there's a whole new world available to us for what comes. And the only, the only requirement, the only thing we have to do in order to live out this life is to let God hold the arrow. Let God be the one who says, this is the direction you should go. You're just gonna have to trust me. I'm gonna point you this way and just follow my arrow. Like that's what I want you to do. Follow my arrow. Go the direction I tell you to go. And what will happen then? Well, what will happen is as we read in scripture about the new creation as a place where there is love and joy and peace just unending, there's no oppression, there's no injustice in the new creation, there's no war in the new creation, there's no cancer in the new creation, there's no broken relationships in the new creation, there's peace and there's goodness and kindness. And Paul says, this is what we're moving towards. We're moving in this direction as human beings who have been bought with the blood of Christ. And friends, the church, the church is intended to be the group of people that shows the rest of the world what it looks like to go God's direction, to be in the new creation. We are the ones who are supposed to show. If we're gonna do that, we have to rest in the truth of who we are as human beings. We have to know we're sinful by nature. We're loved by God and we're invited into new humanity. That Jesus uh, is the way for us to cross over from death to life, to cross over from slavery to the flesh to freedom in the spirit. Jesus is the way. 
And we have to spot the lies that are gonna creep into our communities, uh, onto our screens and our phones. They're gonna creep into our schools. They're gonna creep into our own homes. And we have to be able to spot these lies and point them out and push them out with the truth of the gospel. So this is our challenge for today. Rest in the truth of who we are as human beings and look for these lies. Look for the ways these lies have crept in, maybe into your own heart. Maybe there's a part of you that, that kind of says, yeah, you know, people are gonna judge me no matter what. I might as well just do what I want. Maybe there's a part of you that says, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm not the best person. I'm not the worst person. I'm just gonna try not to do all the bad sins. And I, I assume the rest will be forgiven. I'm not really gonna worry about trying to be better. You know, let's try not to be worse. As long as I have more good in my life than bad at the end, it'll shake out okay. What Jesus calls us to is so much better, so much richer and fuller of a way to live. And it's a way that honors God, brings glory to God, blesses other people. This is what we mean when we say uh, we're salt and light. You're salt and light. Salt preserves what's good in the world. Light drives out darkness. This is what we're called to do in our communities. We're supposed to preserve the truth about who we are as human beings and push back against the darkness of the lies of the enemy. Friends, I wanna invite you to pray with me. If you'd stand, we're gonna close with a word of prayer. I wanna invite you to just embrace this, this concept of like wherever in my life I've sort of followed my own arrow. I've sort of kind of set my own way and said, you know, I love God, I trust him mostly, but in this direction, I'm gonna do what I want. I just wanna invite you to, to hand that arrow back to God. Let him be the one who decides. Because we teach other people, we teach non-believers what God is like through our actions. And we wanna teach them that God has invited us, sinful and broken as we are, out of his great love, has invited us to be something new and different. So would you pray uh, with me? Father, thank you so much for inviting us in uh, to just a, a new way of life in your kingdom, a, a way that glorifies you and blesses the people around us. And God, we know that we're not gonna do that perfectly, but we want to move in that direction. We want to follow the direction that you have set for us because we know there's more at stake than just our own morality. What's at stake really is our witness to the world and the way that we get to teach people who you really are and what you're really like through our own behavior. So would you, would you get this straight in our own hearts? If there's lies that have crept into our own hearts and minds about who we are, would you drive those out with the truth of your word? And by your spirit, give us the power to live in a way that points people to Jesus. We pray all this in Christ's name, amen.